praise the Lord. And this is Pastor Adams, the president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank the Lord again for the day that he's made. And we're so excited that you are participating in this day with us. And we just really value your time and to attending this Truth Matters podcast. And today we're going to be starting another series. And this series is going to be very, very important to really ensuring that you in a more personal way can know how to ascertain and to navigate through the spiritual realm. And this is going to be a series entitled Spiritual Warfare. Before we get into this teaching today, we're going to pause and pray. Father, thank, thank you once again for your love. Give your name glory. We give your name praise because, Lord, you are the lifter of our heads. You are our comfort and joy. We thank you that you're the great shepherd today. And we praise you because you told us that from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, your name is to be praised. Lord, we know that you're not on an ego trip. But Lord, you've let us know that if we praise you, if we look to you and if we lift you up, Lord, you said that it's to our benefit. It blesses us to bless you. It humbles us to bless you. It purifies us as we approach you. When we come into the holy of holies and when we come into your presence, just like Isaiah, we recognize that we are unclean and we dwell in the midst of an unclean people. And we come into you and we see ourselves through you and through your word. And we recognize, God, that we need to walk circumspectly. We need to, Lord God, make adjustments. We need to make alterations in our motives, in our heart, in our perspectives, in our interactions with people, in our priorities, God. You cause us, Lord, to get in tune and to let your will saturate our will that we might know how to please you and to be a blessing to other people. Let that be done today. Let someone who is listening to this podcast, let them recognize today, Lord, that they need to come to know you better, to spend more time in your word, to spend more time in your presence, to meditate on you day and night. Let someone be saved today. Let someone come to love you and draw nigh and closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we're so mindful of the words that were spoken by Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal said that truth is so obscure in these days. And he said that falsehoods are so well established. He said that unless men love the truth, they can't even know it. And true are the words that were spoken by Patrick Fitzgerald, who was the lead prosecuting attorney in the Scooter Libby trial. He said, Truth is the engine of our country's justice system. And he said, and if we don't have truth, we don't have anything. And Jesus said it so profoundly and succinctly. He said that you shall know the truth. And when you know the truth, it will make you free. And our desire is that we walk in liberty, that we walk in freedom and in full autonomy because of Christ. And today we're going to be getting to this dynamic 
uh, episode entitled Spiritual Warfare. And, now, and, and I want you to make sure that you follow along today. Take notes. If you have to come back and listen to the podcast again, do that because it's so important that we learn the mechanics and the details of how to win the war. Now, today, there's a real strong urgency that I find that for Christians to prepare and equip themselves for spiritual warfare. When you look at Google, it has over 50,000 references to spiritual warfare in its search catalog. Now, within the, sec- the secular realm, there is a revival of interest in the devil. I think it has a lot to do with so many motion pictures and so many paranormal uh, uh, documentaries and things that have flooded our television and movie ways. And so many movies depict the devil or Satan as being so looming and active and such an imposing force or presence in the world. Now, I can vividly remember the prominence that Satan received after the release of a movie. I think there was no movie at the time that scared me more than the movie that was called The Exorcist. I just showed you my age, right? There was other movies and subsequent releases that had similar themes like The Omen. Then quickly, because they saw it became a box office smash, Hollywood, they're imitators of what the, the public appears to be interested in. And then they released a movie called Rosemary's Baby. Then next they had the Am- Amityville Horror. Satan was front and center as a leading figure in our culture. Now, with the emergence of Satan being an active and persistent presence in our daily lives, many subscribed to the contemporary motif, what we call the Flip Wilson theology. The devil made me do it. Anything that happens in the world, the devil made me do it. Within the visible church, there has been a revival of satanic saturation as a result of what is called the deliverance craze. You can see posters and on the radio, they may have uh, a advertisement or they may have a marketing spot. You may be driving down through your communities and you'll see a billboard that says uh, Benny Hinn is coming to town. Peter Pawfoff, Apostle Wanamaker is coming in and uh, Evangelist Bucket Mouth is going to be having a revival up under the big tent. Come and get your demons cast out. Come and learn how you can uh, become rich and famous. Come and learn how you can get the principles of powerful deliverance from whatever ails you. And see, this delivery ministry craze is trumpeted that all of life ills, all of life's vices and mental instabilities, bad habits and sinful proclivities were resolved and remedied through a deliverance methodology. So what does it say? It says Satan is the culprit and deliverance from Satan is the remedy. Real simple, right? America continues to maintain a what I call a backseat romance with Satan, resulting in a full-fledged eruption and fascination with Satan. The church is transformed from change agents of the culture to becoming imitators and a microcosm of this contemporary culture in which we live. Instead of the church adopting the Puritan's passion for spiritual discipline, the modern church has given in to a quick fix. What do they call the quick fix? Like hitting a joint. 
is called deliverance. Many in the modern charismatic and pseudo-Pentecostal churches have morphed into an esoteric metaphysical brand of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Say it again, Pastor Adams. Many of the the charismatic and pseudo-Pentecostal churches, they've transitioned, they've morphed into an esoteric and a mystical brand of Christianity. Now, what does it look like? In this mystical world, Satan and his demons are like stormtroopers. They're like infested insects or rodents invading, totally unrestricted, and they have access to people. Even God's children is what they're told. These demons are taught to infect thoughts. They can infect actions and have strongholds all over the world. Now, these demons are taught to have designated missions. They got specific influences like a soldier. Here's your mission. Here's what we're going to do. Here's our strategy. And these demons have influences and specialty skills. There are those who suggest that there are gossiping demons out there. And these demons, they'll attach and invade an individual, even Christians, and they'll cause them to be gossipers. There are lying demons, nosy demons, busybody demons. Somebody will say, yeah, you got a spirit of jealousy, prideful demons. You got an eaten demon. Boy, you sure got you a lazy demon. Woo. That guy over there, boy, he got a sex demon. That's all he want to do is stick and move, have sex with every woman he meets. Homosexual demons. Well, the reason why this person is gay or homosexual is because it's a demon making them do that. People say you got boastful demons. You ever go over their house? You see their house? They got clutter everywhere. They got a hoarding demon. That person right there, I saw them drunk the other day. They got a drinking demon. They got a constipation demon. Every time they go to the bathroom, they be in there for 10, 15, 20 minutes. They must have a constipation demon. And this is really terrible. Somebody says, well, you got a Democratic demon or you got a Republican demon. They got a demon for everything. Neil Anderson in his book, Bondage Breaker, claims there are sexual demons of incubi and succubi. He said they actually exist in the world. Anderson goes on to suggest that in his book that there are breeder demons that are impregnating people bringing forth demon children. He claims in his book to have met doctors and pastors tangled in a web of satanic conspiracy working to spawn and bring demon babies into the world for sacrifice and for demonic ritual. Did you all hear me? These are the type of things that so-called Christian authors and leaders are espousing and propagating to the body of Christ. And so many of you as members of the body of Christ who perhaps don't have a really strong biblical foundation, you read these books and they shape your perspective and they paint an esoteric spiritual world that can be dangerous. Neil Anderson even contends that adopted children are more prone to demon possession and influence their natural-born children. He further states that the monsters they claim to see at night, the little kids that they see at night, he says they are demons that attach themselves to physical objects 
and that 3 a.m. is the prime time for demon activity. Anderson, as so many other self-acclaimed deliverance ministers, suggests that Christians have demons that control or strongly influence their actions and activities. No, he didn't. He didn't say that demons have, that Christians have demons, did he? Anderson contends that as many as 85% of Christians are bound by demon activity. Now, Don Basham, in his book, Deliver Us From Evil, states that he discovered all of his deliverance candidates that came to his meetings or his church services were Christians. There's another author, Derek Prince. He claims that 95% of those needing deliverance from demonic control were Christians. He claims that he was delivered from a demon. Even when he was a Christian, someone said, what demon were you delivered from? He said it was a, a demon of anger that came out of his mouth, even though he has no scriptural support for what he says. But he claims and stands behind its validity, right? With so much unrestricted presuppositions toward this spiritual view, there has been a cachet and infestation of self-styled deliverance ministries touting some special spiritual miracle like a flim-flam peddler out in the wild, wild west. Come drink my special tonic. Whatever ails you, whatever you might need from rheumatoid arthritis to having gastric problems to having mental problems to having the scurvy to having the shakes. Whatever you need, just take one drink of this miracle elixir and you'll be cured. These people today are doing anything any different. Too many in the church have transitioned from the objective word of God to the subjective nuances of suspicious spiritual phenomena. Chew on that for a minute. Jesus told us in Matthew 12 and 29, listen to what he said. He says that you can't enter the house unless you first bind or vanquish the strong man. The 12th chapter contains the crux of the most egregious actions man can commit, which is blasphemy. There's nothing that you can do greater than blasphemy. This is communicated by Christ as an offense of attributing the works of God to Beelzebub. So if you attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to Beelzebub, that's in essence your commission of blasphemy. Many times we magnify and embellish the power, authority, and dominion of the devil. We give the devil so much credit. We, we, we embellish him and we exalt him every day. The question arises, is there any demonic activity? Yes, of course it is demonic activity. And we're going to make sure that we find a balance here. But all of it is governed by firm biblical principles. The Bible says that when a spirit is cast out of a person, not a Christian, it walks through dry places seeking rest. And when it doesn't find any, it decides to go back to the person that he occupied originally. And when he comes back and does his inspection and he sees that that person is swept, empty and garnished. Christ, the strong man, has not made his abode or established a relationship why do you say that, Pastor Adams? Because even though it was swept and garnished, when the demon came back, it was empty. Christ wasn't there. So if Christ isn't there, he takes with him seven more demons 
and reoccupy the person. And the last condition is worse than the first. See, Jesus also said in Luke 10 and 19 that Jesus gave believers power over all the power of demons and spirits. Why? Because they're subject to Christians. And nothing in the demonic and spiritual world can hurt or control a member of the body of Christ. Jesus declared in John that being a Christian and demon possessed, uh, to be a Christian and be demon possessed are mutually exclusive ca- categories. It just can't happen. Today, the church is often exalting the power of Satan and diminishing the power of God. Success in spiritual warfare involves your recognition of your authority over Satan and over the world and the flesh because of Christ's victory at Calvary. Instead of fighting alleged demons or lust and demons of greed and demons of anger, listen to what Matthew 15 and 19 tells us. It says that from the heart proceeds adulteries, fornications, lust, malice, disputings, theft, and slander. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, Paul, being the apostle of the church, personally participating in the slaughter and the imprisonment of believers, he was actually seen to the persecution of the disciples, the Colosseum tortures and the catacombs and the Romans on onslaught. He wrote this in, in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. He said, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. So in spiritual warfare, success is determined by equipping ourselves with what? The armor that God supplies. What is that armor? Let's think about this for a minute. While serving in the military, we maintained various types of uniforms. We had garrison uniforms that consisted of a BDU or battle dress uniform a camouflage uniform with a soft cap and a jacket or rain jacket for weather considerations. But when we were deployed overseas or preparing for combat, we wore different uniforms and equipment. We wore Kevlar helmets and LBE load bearing equipment and with flashlights and had first aid kits and ammo pouches, canteen and trenching tubes and our M17A1 protective masks. We had bayonets, our NBC suits, boots and gloves, decontamination alarms, ice packs, M16A1 rifle, crew serve weapons, night vision goggles. We had to wear our war clothes to survive in the war. Ephesians 6, 12 through 17 provides the components of our spiritual armor and how it's to be used in spiritual war. And we're going to take a few moments that we have left in this episode on spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about the armor of God and how God has provided and given us provision to ensure that we can survive in warfare. And the first one that we're going to delve into and enlarge on is what's called the helmet of salvation. May I tell you the truth? It's so important to have our helmet. Now, the helmet of salvation is so crucial to wear. 
The enemy is degraded by our relationship with Christ. The first step in victory is being born again. That's the first step. We have to gain a sonship with Christ. And the power and the authority that accompanies that relationship, it is so vital. There are so many people being destroyed because they want God's power. They want his defense. They want his intervention in the storms and battles of life. But they neglect this so great salvation of accepting Jesus Christ. What did he bring? He gave us reconciliation and regeneration and victory over sin and the devil on Calvary. How often have we seen people wear crosses on their necks? They may have a rosary around their neck. They might recite the rosary in an effort to gain power or protection and favor from God. Now, there are sincere people who believe there is that there is a God, but they have not learned of him or committed to all his call. And his call is that they come out from among them in the world take up the cross and follow after Jesus Christ through redemption and regeneration. Now, when Satan attempts to overwhelm you with trials and attacks, the steadfastness in your relationship with Christ is going to be tested. It's just like in a marriage relationship. When you go through ups and downs and when there's health issues, when there's money issues, when there's relational issues, when there are social issues, your relationship will be tested. We must spend time in the Word. How much time do you spend in the Word in my listening audience today? So many people say, Oh, man, did you see that Michael Jordan series? Boy, you see uh, episode five, episode six, episode seven. Man, this thing is awesome. Did you see that series called this? Did you watch The Good Doctor? Did you see that? And people spend so much time Oh, man, that new Netflix series is off the chain. I've been watching it. But how much time do you spend in the Word? How much time in prayer? Hmm? What about meditation? How much time do you spend refreshing your position and posture with Jesus Christ? We must read and feed our minds with the promises and assurance that God has revealed to us in his word. This communion will cause us to cultivate a loving, enduring confidence and intimacy with our God. David said in Psalms 119 and 11, I love this. He says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. It will cause us to walk in obedience And it will cause us to separate ourselves from a lifestyle and deeds that would infringe upon our relationship with our loving Savior. The devil will try to drive a wedge between us and our Savior. He will attack our minds during sickness and pain and loneliness. There are so many of you today listening to me that are feeling lonely. You've experienced loss. You've experienced sickness. And the devil will come and he will cause you when you go through these circumstances of life, accusing us and hoping to get us to question if God is present or concerned in our life trials and tests. But the helmet will protect your mind 
from the mental cyber attacks that are unceasing by the enemy. The helmet will blunt and absorb the attacks in warfare. They have what is called intelligence departments and they have espionage departments that focus on the psychological psychological attacks on the enemy. During recent years and recent wars, the enemy would drop pamphlets and radio broadcasts that discouraged black soldiers from fighting for a country that practiced discrimination and caused them to be second-class citizenship. That was part of their psychological warfare. The tactics was to degrade the fighting spirit of the black soldier. See, Satan attempts to degrade our spiritual zeal to fulfill our ministry, to share our faith, to testify to a lost, dark world that Jesus is the way, the answer to life struggles and the grip that sin has on so many lives. So many are taking drugs They're drowning in illicit sexual behavior and abusive conduct, even struggling with mental illness and suicide thoughts. So many are in the dark place in their life, just like in that that movie called Get Out. They're in a sunken place mentally. They're in a sunken place emotionally. They're in a sunken place socially, having no hope where fear is the captain of their thoughts and minds. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue or praise, think on these things. This is the key to victory. Get saved. Meditate on God's word. Resist the devil's attack on your mind. Just like our strategy to kill a snake, Satan aims at our head, trying to destroy our confidence in our relationship with God so he can win the battle that always starts in the mind. And today I want you to remember this, that in the spiritual warfare, the weapons that God has provided for us to be victorious in the warfare is found in his word. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Make a decision right now. I'm going to just like I have to do in my health. I have to eat better. I can't spend all my time sitting around. I have to start walking and getting my body moving. I have to find better nutritional choices. Well, in my spiritual life, I want to make some more spiritual choices. I want to give time to studying, meditating, reading the word. I'm going to get into the word every day. I might not can read it as much or understand the way I should, but I'm going to start. And after a while, you're going to find that your spiritual muscles will get strong. Your spiritual endurance will begin to increase your spiritual appetite will increase. And just like anything else in life, it will become a habit. When I wasn't doing a lot of exercising, it was hard getting my muscles back in condition and toned up for it. And after I got back into that habit and I got back into that muscle memory, if I didn't exercise, my body would say, hey, I need my exercise. 
and I would never feel comfortable. I would never be at ease because I had a new habit. And psychologically, emotionally, and physically, I had to continue in my new methodology. In this spiritual warfare, if you're going to win, you're going to have to get in the Word, meditate, share your faith, praise God, worship Him, untangle yourself from some relationships, back away from some activities that you're involved in, separate yourself from those negative influences and voices so that you can hear God clearly and you'll be successful in this spiritual warfare. We're going to end this episode today. You pray for us. Change and make those things your priorities because some things don't matter. But one thing that always matters is the truth. God bless you today.